Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. Today, you'll hear a message from our pastor, Brad Carrington. We hope that it helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that he has called you to do. When my parents got born again back in the 70s, they were first plugged into an Episcopal church. And part of the liturgy every Sunday morning is to pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And um, so I, I grew up with that. So I've always loved the Lord's Prayer. But I have taught you guys something um, that is partially incorrect, and I'm going to correct it today. Um, as, a, as a believer, as a pastor, you should always be wanting to learn and grow and, and get more gooder uh, in your relationship with God. So the Lord revealed something to me that I'm trying to get more gooder in, in, in how I pray and how I think. So here, here's what I would say. I would say, don't pray the Lord's Prayer from memory, pray it from your heart. Don't pray the Lord's Prayer in 30 seconds. Pray it for 20 minutes and use it as an outline for prayer. And don't pray it in the King James unless you speak King James English. So most Wednesday nights when I lead prayer, at some point I will lead us in the Lord's Prayer. And I'll literally say, don't pray it from memory you know, just pray it from your heart. And that's normal for me. I would take sometimes 20 minutes on a Wednesday night to do the Lord's Prayer. I would use it as an outline for prayer. And this is what I'm saying, I was partly wrong. And I'll explain why. Christianity is built on the foundation of Judaism. Our faith in the Messiah is in the Jewish Messiah. And I can prove that to you in the fact that the Apostle Paul, who was a Jew trained uh, as a rabbi, had such a heart for the Gentile world that he was preaching the gospel in the Gentile world. But he takes all of Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11, and he's, he's outlining the fact that the faith for the Gentiles is, has been grafted in to the tree of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, of the Jewish people, Romans chapter 11. Now, as I'm speaking to you Gentiles at Uncommon Church, inasmuch then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make some of my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. So that the context of, of this portion of Romans chapter 11 is he's speaking about the Jewish people. And he's grieving over the fact that the Jews didn't recognize Jesus as Messiah. He's glad that the Roman Gentiles did, but he's grieving that the Jews did not. So skip down to verse 17. If some of the branches, talking about an olive tree that God planted, if some of the branches were broken off and you at uncommon church, uncommon Gentiles, were grafted in among the others, you now share in the nourishing root of that olive tree, talking about the Jewish people. So do not be arrogant towards the branches, the Jewish people. Because if, if you are, remember, it's not you who supports the root, it's the root that supports you. So Paul is telling the Gentiles that we, as Gentile Christians, put our faith in Jesus, but that did not replace the Jewish people. It simply grafted us in to their tree that we would tap into their nourishing root of the faith that goes all the way back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he's saying, you don't support them, they support you. 
So this church is an old strip mall from the 80s. So they built, you know, this first this thick concrete slab with concrete and steel, and then they put these beams up and the building sits on top. The building is resting on the foundation that's underneath it. If you don't have the foundation, the building falls over. Does that make sense? Now, taking that line of thinking back to the Lord's Prayer, which it is ironic that we even call it the Lord's Prayer because it can't be Jesus' prayer because in the prayer we ask for the forgiveness of sin. Jesus never sinned. So it's the disciples' prayer. It's our prayer, but we call it the Lord's Prayer. We often only hear it from very American ears. I want us to take a few minutes and flip the script and listen to the Lord's Prayer from the context, the perspective of the Jewish people. Because the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, but the disciples were all Jews, and they asked Jesus, their Jewish rabbi, they said, Lord, we know all of these prayers in Judaism because most of the prayers in Judaism are memorized prayers they pray from rote. But they asked Jesus, Lord, how do you want us to pray? Remember, they're thinking with the Jewish perspective. So Jesus answers them like this from Matthew chapter 6. He said, guys, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven other people that have debted against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So I have always said in my ministry, don't pray the Lord's Prayer from memory, but use it as an outline. So yeah, I'm partly right. You can absolutely use the Lord's Prayer as an outline and take 20 minutes, 30 minutes to pray the Lord's Prayer. Pray it from your heart. Don't just pray it out of your memory. Don't just pray it in the King James. You should really mean it and think it and feel it and take as long as you want. But in the context of Judaism, Jesus is a Jewish rabbi, most prayers in Judaism are in fact memorized. The disciples are all Jews. So in a cultural context, the disciples heard, this is the prayer we should pray every day. This is the prayer we repeat every day. So yes, pray the Lord's Prayer every day and pray it from your heart and pray it for an hour and pray it as an outline for prayer. But at the same time, in context to Judaism, pray it by memory. Pray it the same way. Pray it two, three times a day. Pray every day the Lord's Prayer out of that memory. That begs the question, Jesus is a good Jew. What prayer did Jesus pray every day? Because he's dropping this knowledge on the disciples. This is new information. What prayer did Jesus pray every day? There is one prayer that Jesus prayed every morning and every evening that every Jew around the world for 4,000 years has prayed every morning and every evening, and it's called the Shema. The background to the Shema goes back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Moses has been receiving the law from the Lord and then giving the law to the people of Israel. And there were so many details to the law, and it was so important that they, they learn it and they understand it and they get it into their hearts and then they live it out, that in Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, 
with all of your soul, with all of your might. And these words that I command you today, they shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk about them in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your home and on your gates. This is the prayer that Jesus would have prayed every day and that Jews today still pray every morning and every evening. This is the bedtime prayer for every Jewish family with children around the world. So Jesus, this is his prayer. The beautiful thing about the Shema is that they do pray it from memory. And when they do, they take the right hand and they cover their eyes when they pray it. Why? No distractions, no notifications. Their total focus is they think about every word. Even though they pray it every day, twice a day, they're focusing on every word. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It's called the Shema. It's a weird name. It's a Hebrew word, obviously. And I should explain, because the word Shema means to hear or to listen. So they're saying, that, that's why it's referred to as the Shema, and they're saying it's, it's the prayer called the hear or the listen. But the beautiful thing about Hebrew words is they often have many, many, many different meanings. And this word Shema, yes, it means hear, it means listen, but it also means understand. It means to feel and interpret. It means to obey. So it'd be kind of like, you know, if, if you were trying to give instructions to somebody and you'd be like, hey, are you here? Do you feel me, bro? He'd be like, yeah, I feel you. He'd be like, hey, do you, do you shma me? And the response, yeah, I shma you. I feel you. I understand you. I'm going to obey you. I'm picking up what you're throwing down. So this is a powerful word that, that Moses used to call the nation of Israel to love the Lord and to obey the Lord. He says, listen, hear me. Out of all the other nations, we worship one God because all the nations worshiped many gods. There were many idols. There were many altars. In their home, there would have been many gods. But he's saying, no, 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 fam. We worship one God, and he is our God, and he is the one God that we worship. He is not just the one. He is my one. He is our one. It's in the plural. So there's a powerful declaration over the nation of Israel that he is our God. So for 4,000 years, the Jewish people have identified themselves in one phrase. It says, listen, hear, Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. He's saying, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord our God. It's possessive among all of us. This isn't just some little thing I do at home. This isn't some little altar that I have in my house. This is all of us united around worshiping the one true God. He owns us. We collectively, we, we own him. We are connected to him in our worship, in our adoration. We are in this thing together. Because in life, there are many, many, many things that can have your attention. There are many things that can have your focus. But remember, Israel, remember, Uncommon, listen, there's only one thing that really matters in your life. One thing, one God. He is our hope. 
He is the one we worship. He is the one we adore. He is the one we put all of our focus on. We're not going to be distracted. And this is why we pray this prayer, not once in a while, but every day, morning and evening. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Here on Common Church, we worship one God. Our God is one. Verse 5. Y'all have got to get better at clapping in 2024. Golly. Some of you are like, I didn't know Pastor Brad could sing. I didn't either. Verse 5. Love the Lord your God. Listen to how many times all is used. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Notice that there's a distinction between three different aspects of our lives. Because sometimes we categorize our worship as something we do on Sunday morning if it's convenient. He said, no, 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 no. If you're going to worship the one true God, it's going to consume your entire life. And you have to worship him with every part of who you are. We are one person, but we're made up of three parts. We have a body, this bag of meat we carry around for 80, 90, 100 years. We have a soul and we have a spirit man. We were created in the image of God, so we reflect our creator. And Moses is saying, if you're going to worship God, the one true God, you have to use all of the aspects of your life and you have to worship him fully. You have to love the Lord your God with all, not some, with all of your heart. This is important distinction because I need you in your worship and in your adoration to feel something. So many people, they go to church, they say they're a Christian, but they never feel this love, this passion. It's okay to be emotional for God because the Shema says you should love the Lord your God with all, not some, all of your heart. And I'm concerned with Christians that criticize people like us and they're like, oh, it's just all emotional. You just, it's all just feelings for you. Yeah, it's all of my feelings for the Lord because that's what I was called to do is to worship the Lord, love the Lord with all of my heart. Some of us, we love our spouse. We love our kids. We love a football team. We love a certain purse. We love... a. All of that is fine, but it should pale in your comparison to the love that you have for God. At the core of who you are, in your soul, all of you should love him, should worship him. You're called to love, the God with, with, love God with your heart and your soul. That all of the motivations of your life, all of the desire, all of the joy would be fixed on the Lord. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and not some, all of your might all of the strength that your body can produce whether it's a lot or a little if there's breath in your lungs god created the breath that he created those lungs so your body is an instrument of worship and loving god we get criticized sometimes like well i just they, they jump and dance and worship they lay down they cry they weep they shout they raise their hands yeah because i'm going to use all of my body to love and worship god because that's what the bible has called me to do All of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength, not some, not some. I've been in ministry coming up on 30 years now, 
Every time I see people that are struggling in their life, struggling in their faith, struggling in their walk with God, it's because they have not fully engaged all three aspects of their body, soul, and spirit in worshiping God. And what they try to do is just squeak by with a little bit. What's the lowest common denominator? Can I lower the bar to jump over? Can I just go to church on Christmas and Easter? What, 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 what's the least I can do that is not loving and worshiping God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your life? Which is, I think, why Moses said in Deuteronomy chapter 6, hear, listen. Our God is one, and we are to worship him to the maximum ability of our body, soul, and spirit. Verse 6. Yeah, I didn't ask you to, Hannah, but thank you for being so smart. Just leave it up the whole time. Brilliant. Well done. So, verse 6. If you're going to clap for Hannah, just do it. I mean, come on. She willikers. We are commanded to worship the Lord with all of our hearts. The word of the Lord, the commands of the Lord should have our complete body, soul, and spirit devotion. It is a command to put your faith in the word of God. Does that make sense? It is a command to put your faith in the law, the word of the Lord, to know it to understand it. You can't fully engage with something you've never read. You'll never fully be able to say, I have my faith, my trust in the law. I'm obeying the command of God if you don't even understand the Bible. And, and most Christians, they treat the word of God like one of those AED defibrillators at, at hotels and hospitals and restaurants. It's just there in case we need it. And I'm not even going to open the case unless my life is in danger and I really, really, really need it. You've heard the old story. Uh, this is from years ago when people used to have special china to eat a meal with special guests. Now we just get carry out Chipotle and sit around the coffee table and watch TV when special guests come. But I remember as a kid, we would have real china from England. I don't know why it was China from England. I didn't understand it as a kid and I don't understand it today. <laughs> and we had real silver from England. I don't know what's wrong with American silver, but it wasn't special if it didn't tarnish on the boat coming over. <laughs> but there's a story that goes, you know, back in the old days, the family was having the pastor over and they had everything set out nice and they broke out the family China and they broke out the family silver. I mean, silver's expensive. So at the end of the night, the pastor says, thank you, God bless you. We'll see you at church on Sunday. After he leaves, the wife is going to clean up and she gasps. <gasps> the pastor stole one of our silver spoons. And for months, she's just, she can't worship. She can't listen to a sermon. She's just so upset. So a year later, they finally invite him back. Hey, pastor, we'd love for you to come to our house. We're going to lay out the fine china and almost all of the silver. And in the meal, she just is so beside herself watching the pastor's every move as if he's going to steal another silver spoon. And she finally tears in her eyes, says, Pastor, a year ago, we had you in our home. And ever since then, I've been missing a silver spoon. Did you take my silver spoon? He says, no, I put it in your Bible.
I love that story. That's my kind of preacher. The Bible is our daily bread and we are commanded to eat. And so many Christians live their lives malnourished because they're not eating their daily bread. It is a command from God to love, study, and understand the law of the Lord. And here's the scary thing about a command that comes from God. If you don't obey the command, it is idolatry because you are putting your will above the will of God. You're placing yourself on an altar and saying, I'm going to live my life the way I want to. I don't care if I've been commanded to read the Bible. Since that went over so well, we'll go to verse 7. <laughs> verse 7, you're going to teach your children diligently. Teach them what? The law, the word, the Bible, the ways of God. You're going to teach your family diligently. Your children need to know the word of God. So when you are sitting in your house, teach your children diligently the word of God. When you're going by the way, teach your children the word of God. When you lie down at night, when you get up in the morning, teach your children the word of God. So to me, if I'm understanding this correctly, the whole point of Deuteronomy chapter six, the whole point of the Shema is for the next generation. It's for the kids' benefit, not even for our benefit. Because God is always thinking about our children and our grandchildren. In fact, God doesn't identify himself as the God just of Israel. He says, no, I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of his son Isaac. I am the God of his son Jacob. I am the God of his 12 sons. God identifies himself through legacy. Which is why we are commanded to diligently teach our children the word of God, the ways of God. Parents, I just want you to be honest. Are you diligently teaching your children the word of God? Because diligent instruction, that's going to take some time. That's going to take some effort. Diligent instruction means you know the word of God and you teach the word of God to your children. And it is an all-consuming task to diligently teach something to your kids. Verse 7 says, you should teach the word of the Lord to your kids when you're walking and when you're sitting. Well, in 2024 almost, that means when you're driving, you don't just put in a Disney CD, a DVD. A, I don't even know how that works anymore. It used to be a pop-down DVD we'd put in and just tell our kids to shut up so we could get where we're going. I don't know. Oh, you guys have iPads for your kids nowadays. Sorry. No, no, no. That's the time for parents to diligently instruct their children in the ways of the Lord. When you get home and the Bible says you're sitting at home. You don't go to your different rooms and turn on your different devices and entertain yourselves with the world. That's when parents should be diligently teaching their children the ways of the Lord. When you wake up in the morning, you teach your children the ways of the Lord. When you go to bed at night, you teach your children the ways of the Lord. You can't expect your children to know the ways of the Lord if you're not living according to them. The word of the Lord is a light into my feet and so many families are living in darkness. This isn't meant to be hard. This is meant to be easy. That when we get up in the morning, we focus our home, whether we live alone or we live with our family, we focus our home and our hearts completely on the Lord. When we get home in the evening, we gather around and we talk about the Lord. When we go to bed at night and we're laying our kids down, we teach our kids about the Lord. It's Bible story time. That's prayer time. That's the time for the Lord's prayer. That's time for the Shema. That's how kids go to bed in Judaism, is by praying the Shema by teaching your kids to pray. Most adults today do not have a mature prayer life because they were not modeled a prayer life by their parents. And they were not taught, they were not invited into prayer by their parents. 
All right, that horse is still dead, so we're going to move on. Verse 8, the law, the word, the way we love and worship God with all of our body, soul, and spirit, bind them as a sign on your hand, as frontlets between your eyes, on the doorposts of your house, and on your gates. There is so much here, and for time, I'm, I'm not even going to break all of this down because I have to get to the final point. But the, what Moses is trying to say is if we are going to love the Lord our God, the one and only God, with all of our body, soul, and strength, if we're gonna raise our kids diligently in the ways of the Lord, we have to be 100% committed to this. You can't go halfway in to your relationship with God. It has to be fully knowing him, fully worshiping him, fully loving him, fully knowing his word, and then teaching it to our children. It should be what your eyes are focused on. It should be the central part of your home. On every Jewish home is a mezuzah on every doorpost because this Shema, Deuteronomy chapter 6, is written and put on the doorpost of the home. When men pray, they put on the teflim, the, the leather strap that is bound to their hand and the little leather box that has the Shema from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and that their focus is on the Lord. It is a reminder, a call, to radical and extreme love for God. And if you do it right, your kids will not see two different sides of you. They're only gonna see the devoted Jesus lover at home and in public. And sadly, so many young people are leaving the faith because they did not see mom and dad passionately obeying Deuteronomy chapter six. And too many Christians live their life in such a milquetoast, mamby-pamby kind of way. Forget at home. We can barely get to church because our kids have so many other activities. So we're teaching our children that worship is not that important. And we're screaming and cursing at our spouse and our kids on the way to church. Do you expect your children to love and honor God if you don't? See, the Shema is calling people to total devotion to God in public and in private. Why? Because the Lord is always thinking about the next generation. He's always thinking about your kids and your grandkids loving Jesus. He wants you to set your life on fire so that your kids can watch you burn and then teach your grandkids to burn for Jesus. In 2020, Barna Group did a survey of the American church in two-thirds, 66% of young adults in their 20s, age 19 to 29, that grew up in church are no longer in church or have any devotion to God. Two-thirds of the church of the 2010 season are out of church. And the follow-up question was, why? And the vast majority answered, because genuine devotion to God was not modeled in the home when they were children. Yes, our family went to church, but genuine devotion to God was only something my parents did on a few Sundays a month. You can't fake your walk with God and then expect your children to stay saved as adults. You want your kids to burn for the Lord? Set yourself on fire for Jesus. And they're gonna watch you burn and you're gonna set their lives on fire. All right, I need to wrap this up and get to my big final point. For 4,000 years, the Jewish people have prayed the Shema every morning and every evening, and they still pray it. In fact, it literally defines their Judaism in so many ways. On October 7th of this last year, just a few months ago, 
on a Saturday morning on Shabbat, terrorists, Hamas terrorists, went into Israel and raped and burned and murdered thousands of innocent Israelis, men, women, children, elderly. Many of the terrorists that day were wearing stolen Israeli army gear. And what they would do is they would go into an Israeli community and in Hebrew would call out to people that it's safe. People would come out of their home, see the Israeli military uniform, and then Hamas would mow them down and they would use that uniform as a way to murder more people. In all of the scuffle, in all of the different communities, there was a young soldier who was in his IDF uniform, but he did not have a weapon. So there was nothing he could do against all of these armed gunmen mowing people down. So he hid in an attic. Later that day, I think it was the next morning, Sunday morning, the real IDF was there going house to house, street to street, in gun battles with Hamas terrorists and killing all of the terrorists that were in the town. This young man, when the IDF got near, he didn't know how to call out to his fellow troops without them thinking that he was a Hamas terrorist in a stolen uniform. So he thought, what is the most uniquely Jewish thing I can say, I can call out? So from this attic, you hear it on the body cam footage of the commander. He says, Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu. And the soldiers responded, Adonai Echad. And they got him out safely. For thousands of years, the Jewish people have identified themselves by this one prayer. Do you want to hear it in Hebrew from somebody that speaks Hebrew? I had found the video. There's a messianic worship uh, leader. He's an Israeli who believes Jesus as Messiah, and he has worship albums. His name is Barry Siegel, his wife Batya. And 20 years ago, they recorded the Shema in Hebrew. And I found the video, but then I thought, no, 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 no. With the Shema, you're supposed to cover your eyes with your right hand and think about every word. So I thought, let's not play the video, let's just play the audio. Go ahead, guys. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kevod Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. With all that I've said for the last 20 minutes, I want you to fast forward back to Jesus, the good teacher, the rabbi. People didn't understand Jesus. Is he the Messiah for the Jewish people or not? Is he Lord of all or a lunatic? Is he even Jewish? because everything that Jesus taught seemed to always be pushing against the religious Jews of the time. So much so 
that Jesus destroyed a group of Sadducees. So when the Pharisees, another religious group, saw the Sadducees sad, you see, <laughs> there was a lawyer among the Pharisees. And they asked this lawyer, how can we trick this guy? So they came up with a trick question for Jesus to see how Jewish he was or not. Mark chapter 12, one of the scribes came up hearing the disputing with the other, talking about the Sadducees fight. And seeing that he answered them so well, he asked them, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus responded, Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. When I heard that and I read that from the perspective that Jesus is Jewish, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is the most important commandment to the King of Kings. Verse 30, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. And then Jesus added the second most important commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. Jesus, what's, what's the greatest commandment? This is a trick because they don't believe he's very Jewish. And he responded, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He prayed the Shema. If this is the single most important prayer, the single most important commandment to Jesus, perhaps it should be a little bit more important for his church. Listen up. The Lord, our God, the Lord is one. And we should love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength, not some. And we should love our neighbors as ourselves. The funny thing about my neighborhood, I don't pick who moves in next to me. Does that make sense? Therefore, I have to love everybody. When I'm standing in line at Kroger, the neighbors that are standing around me, I don't pick them, but the command is to love them. When I'm in 183 in traffic and people can't drive, the command is to love my neighbor. When I'm at work, and you know that person at work that you tolerate, but you absolutely would not say that you love? Hopefully nobody on our staff. You are commanded by Jesus himself to love them. Jesus was calling the Jewish people 2,000 years ago and calling Uncommon Church today. Listen, hear me. The Lord is one, and you need to love him with every fiber of your being. This is the most important command. Jesus prayed this from memory two times a day. Perhaps we should too. I might, I, I, perhaps I'll email it. I, I have it downloaded, and I can copy and paste it. We'll include it in an email. The Shema is actually in three parts, and it's, it's quite long. The, the first part is from Deuteronomy chapter 6, which we've read. The second part is from Deuteronomy chapter 11, and the third part of the Shema is from Numbers 15. Why don't we do two things? Why don't we recite all together the Lord's Prayer and then the first part of the Shema? Can we do that? Yeah. We're going to do it anyway. Hop up on your feet. <laughs> so for the Lord's Prayer, I warn you, the first one I downloaded was the King James Version, and I thought, you know, why don't, we, why don't we switch and do what they call the quote-unquote contemporary version? So you might want to read it on the screen. 
All together, let's say this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now with the Shema, I need to give you some instructions. The first sentence is the one that we've read and said many times. You say it boldly. But this, and, and, and we would normally say it with our right hand covering our eyes, but if we did that, you wouldn't be able to read. The second line has been added. It's not from Deuteronomy chapter 6, but the second line has been added by the rabbis over thousands of years, and you whisper to yourself. After you say, um, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, you say this to yourself. Blessed be the name of the Lord. His glorious kingdom is forever and ever. Blessed be the name of the Lord. His glorious kingdom is forever and ever. And then back to your normal voice, you pray the prayer about loving the Lord and, and leading your children. Does that make sense? All right, so all together, let's pray the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Again, why is the Shema so important? Because if we don't get this right, the next generation doesn't get it right either. The next generation is always the key. And Jesus himself, when asked what was the greatest commandment, he reassured them, I'm a Jew because we worship one God. And the most important thing is that we love him with all of our body, soul, and spirit. So let me just close with this thought. 2,000 years ago, the Sadducees and Pharisees really struggled with Jesus because they didn't know if he was the Messiah of the Jewish people. But when Jesus said, listen, the most important commandment is the Shema, is to hear, O Israel, that the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. That was the end of the discussion. This man is Jewish. But the Jews' criticism, especially today, you might wonder, why don't the Jewish people see Jesus as the Messiah? They think we worship three gods. They think we are idolaters. Because Christians are always talking about worshiping Jesus and worshiping the Father in heaven and worshiping the Holy Spirit. And Jesus himself said, no, 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 no. Hear, O Israel, there's only one God. So then Jews today would be like, I, what do we do with this Father, Son, and Spirit thing? what we refer to as the Trinity. So we learned from the, the Shema that we as humans are to love the Lord with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength. So if you look at this triangle, we are one human person made up of three parts. We have a body, we have a soul, we have a spirit. If you think about God's creation of water, 
the, the chemical compound of H2O. It is a vapor, it is a liquid, it is a solid. It is the exact same thing, but you see it in three different forms, three very unique forms, water, ice, and steam. Now I'm gonna make the example, but you cannot compare the created with the creator. You can't, this is a crude example that only barely scratches the surface of the Trinity of God. But we see God from Genesis to Revelation as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So Jewish people think that we worship three separate gods, but because of the Shema, we are reminded from Jesus himself that we worship one God. And I know it's confusing to Jews, but we do not worship three separate gods. Jesus himself said that there are three forms of God. Does that blow your mind? Do you remember after Jesus' ministry and he's about to ascend back into heaven? He said, listen, church, I want you to go into all the world and make disciples of every nation. And you're going to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Jesus himself clearly mentions the three aspects of God's nature. And then when Jesus was promising to send the Holy Spirit, he said, listen, I'm going to return to heaven, but then I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14, he says, I, the Son, am going to ask the Father, and then he's going to give you the Helper to be with you forever. So Jesus himself is referring to the three natures, the three characteristics, but it was also Jesus that said, I know, but our God is one. We see him in three distinct natures, but we do not worship three gods. We worship the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So when they were trying to trick Jesus, they said, hey, 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 I, I got it, I got it, I got it. I'm gonna get him, I'm a lawyer, I'm smart. Right, lawyers? So smart. What's the greatest commandment, huh? I got him, high five. And Jesus responded, Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Listen up, church. The Lord our God, He is one. And we worship Him, body, soul, and spirit. And we're going to teach our children, and we're going to teach our grandchildren to love them. We're not going to give some, we're going to give all of our hearts. I will warn you, this is meant to be prayed with a megaphone. To listen, the Lord our God is one. If you're going to speak with a megaphone, you'd be better be living a life worth listening to. The reason so many people fall away from their faith is because they're listening to people whose lives do not reflect the faith that they claim. If you're going to cry out that we worship God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength, you'd better be living a life that is fully devoted to God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength. Don't just tell people you're eating your daily bread when you are emaciated on the inside. You can't expect the next generation to love the Lord if you're not loving the Lord in private. The most important worship you do is not here on a Sunday morning, it's in your closet at home. And we have to teach the next generation when we get up in the morning and when we go to bed, when we're driving in our cars and when we're eating at table, we need to teach our children, hey guys, we worship the Lord and we love His law, we love His word with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength. So yes, pray the Lord's Prayer. Pray it from memory but also pray it as an outline of prayer. And why not be like Jesus, WWJD? Pray the Shema. I'll email it to you. Pray the Shema, hear O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It's a powerful reminder, it is a call to worship. So my question for you that are here today and you that are watching online, 
Would you be honest with God? It has nothing to do with me or the person standing next to you. Would you be honest with God and say, yeah, I really love the Lord with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind. Or is there an aspect of your life that you've been holding back? And today is the day that you, you go all in. And you're like, man, I, I'm absolutely going to completely surrender my life. This is my prayer. This is my cry. My life, like Jesus' life, is going to reflect the Shema. For some of you that are here this morning, you're like, I will never visit another church again. Or say yes and join the family. Join the crazy. Just jump into the cannonball. Like, I just want to dip my toe. That's not how this works. You don't just dip your toe into the Jesus water. You cannonball off the high dive and you go completely in. All your body, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, you worship him. If you're here today and you're not right with God, that's awesome. Today's your day to repent of your sin, ask God to forgive you, and surrender your life to the Lord completely. It might be the first time you've ever prayed this prayer. For a lot of people, especially in Texas, it's the first time in a long time. Maybe they grew up in church, they went to a friend's youth group as a kid, but as they've gotten older, their hearts have grown cold, they're part of that 66% that walked away from their parents' faith. Well, that's the whole point. It was your parents' faith that needs to be your faith. Teenagers, listen to me. If you don't make, if you're 14, 15, 16 years old, and you're not desperately in love with Jesus, you will probably walk away from your faith in college. I don't care what your parents say, you're old enough to know the Lord and to pursue him with all of your body all of your soul and all of your strength whether you see your parents model it or not it's time for you to grow up and be the man of god and the woman of god that you've been called to be i want to lead you in a prayer i can't pray it for you all i can do is lead you if you believe it in your heart pray it out loud and we're going to ask god to forgive us of our sin that Jesus will be the Lord of our life. Some of you are going to pray this prayer for the first time, some for the first time in a long time. But if you believe it and, and, and you need to pray this prayer, why don't we all pray it together? Say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I repent. I die to my old life so that I can live for you. I believe you are the Son of God the savior of the world and I'm asking that you would wash me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness thank you for loving me thank you for forgiving me I receive the gift of eternal life Lord help me to love you with all of my heart all of my soul and all of my strength in Jesus name if you agree say amen if you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time I'd like to know who meant it today would you just shoot your hand up real high and just I see your hand over there is anybody else just shoot your hand I see your hand right there is anybody else just shoot your hand up real high say I'm, I'm getting right with God today no joke all right, YouTube, two people shot their hand up right away and say, man, that was my prayer. What about you? Right there between you and this YouTube video. If you got right with God today in that prayer, I want you to shoot your hand up between you and God. And here's why. We want to pray for you. We want to encourage you in your walk with God. We have this Jesus wall over here, and every single one of these light bulbs is people just like you that prayed that prayer and got right with God. 
So we want to put your name or your initials on it and screw it into the Jesus wall. But we also want to begin to pray for you. So if you're at home, text the name Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, to 817-405-2244. Now all that does is send you a little form. Please fill out that form and click submit. And we want to pray for you, encourage you, put your name on the Jesus wall. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.